and welcome to Football After Dark Wednesday afternoon football edition. Uh, we are recording this during the Pittsburgh Steelers-Baltimore Ravens game. I will try my best to not be distracted, even though currently they're at halftime. Uh, but hello, my name is Nate Kuyper. I'm professional sports broadcaster and PFF employee. I'm joined by world-renowned Genshin Impact player, Corey Clements. That's me. And the group, what was it, Group C? Group C, OOT, Rando champion, Matt Dustman. It's it's me, your boy. It's It's been so long since we've done an episode, I needed to, you know, give everybody the... Everything that's happened so far. Corey has a bunch of sponsorships for Genshin Impact. Yep. Oh, yep. really? Oh, look at you, Genshin boy. <laughs> Playing them gotcha games. Uh, and Matt did win his groups. Matt talks about it. I, th- I feel like we've talked about it before on the on the show, but Matt was in that little tournament. He ended up winning. Uh, that's been a lot, a lot has happened since the last time we did an episode. We kind of unofficially took off the day's in and around Thanksgiving, uh, just like hard to get all of us together. And there were some days where there was only the COVID reserve list. Yeah. (laughs) We, we we got hit by the COVID reserve list and we should have, we should have brought in dome and angry to do an episode. Angry did ask to be on an episode. You want me to ping angry right now and get him in here? No, no, he's, he's on the, he's, he's there for reserve in case we're practice. He's practice squad. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, we have, oh man, I can't even remember the last thing we really talked about. We had week 12. Technically, we're still in week 12 because of this Baltimore-Pittsburgh game. The longest NFL week ever. Yeah, the longest NFL week ever. It started on Thursday. It's ending on Wednesday. So we're not actually going to have Thursday night football because of it as well. So this is kind of the the de facto Thursday game this week, I guess. But um. Anything, just big picture so far, any reactions from week 12 uh, that you guys want to discuss first thing? Well, I think we teased it a while ago, and I think we have to address it at this point. Uh, We have to sign a quarterback apology letter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. Do you want to... I know it was your idea, Corey. You're kind of the the one that wants us to do it, so if you want to just... Yeah, like, this guy is like... We just took him for granted, I think. I think what happened was we got caught up in the value of it all. Because everybody was saying, like, you know, he's a good quarterback and everything. And we weren't really even looking at that. We were looking at the money he wanted, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, we kind of took that, him actually being a good quarterback, for granted. And... I think it's time that we apologize to Dak Prescott. Yeah. For, yeah. Like we like we obviously now see what this Cowboys team <laughs> is without. Him. As much as we need to apologize to Dak Prescott, we all been know that Jerry Jerry is going to drop Dak Pre like I don't know. Uh uh I need some like really lame analogy, like a something on a something day. But like he, he's gonna drop Dak because they're gonna get an early pick. He's gonna trade up and get him some hot young stud that he doesn't have to pay money for, 
and then Dak's going to be the next Kirk Cousins and make like forty million on a two-year deal at some team, and then like he'll like, lead the league in passing yards, but not win a playoff game. Yeah, Dak Prescott is like a slightly advanced Alex Smith. <laughs> very good. Can he won't lose you games, but he's not always going to win you games. I'll sign an apology letter I, I for would, him. I'm going to argue with that point because we're seeing the difference between a Cowboys team without Dak and with Dak, and I, I think the only difference was Dak was winning them games. Like that's I know or, we have at least at least, at least keeping now. them. In- at least keeping them in games, right? Keeping them in games. I mean, even er, this year they that they won that crazy Falcons game because of stuff that he did. But they were zero and two going into that game, so it's not like Dak won many games this year yet. I, I, I don't think Dak is bad. I think he was worth the money he was asking for no, because I, of what he meant no, to that I team and what the alternative was, which is this, right. Which is Andy but now that we now that we see what this is, and, and it helps Dax like free agency, because that's what's going to happen. He's not going to get signed. I don't think he's going to get franchise tagged. They're they're going to draft a quarterback. Uh, they're going to draft a quarterback behind a a once good offensive line. Like Cowboys offensive line is trash now. It's not good. They had with Zach Taylor, Zach Zach Martin, some, Zach Martin. Thank you. I forgot his last name. Whatever. I knew it was Zach. Zach Ganhart. He got injured. <laughs> <laughs> and he can't block anybody anymore. And <laughs> Tyron Smith is Tyron Smith is dealing with a lot of really scary injuries. They had their center retire. Yeah. A lot of offensive uh, line issues. And Zeke is like approaching the running back hump. If he's not already there, man, dude, he can we kind of like acknowledge that he's been really bad? Yeah, yeah, I mean, when you have when you don't have a quarterback like at all, teams can just stack the box. And before, that's what teams would do against the Cowboys: it stack the box. But they had the offensive line. Now they don't have the offensive line, and they don't even have a they don't even have Alex Smith squared to bail them out with a couple good passes. It's like literally Zeke is the only person who can do anything on that team and defenses that play the Cowboys know it. So like he just, he can't get anything going. His, and it's kind of sad. Dude, it's his fumbling. Like it's actually kind of mind boggling how like fumble prone whole, he's been. It's the whole like Cowboys offense. It's not just, I feel like, I feel like in multiple games that I've watched the Cowboys this year, it, Zeke will fumble once or twice. The quarterback will fumble once or twice. And then I think even Amari's had a couple of fumbles. It's like, it doesn't matter who gets the ball. If it's the first half, the Cowboys are just prone to fumble. I don't know if it's like some coaching thing. Cause I know it's not just, I, I'm, I noticed it's not just Zeke. It's literally that whole offense has a fumble problem. Even his, Dak was fumbling. Do you think his Zeke's like has some kind of like, nerve damage in his arm that could be causing him like not be able to hold on to the ball as well. I mean, I never really thought of it from a medical standpoint, but it is, it is kind of shocking just how out of nowhere this year 
he's had, what is it, like four lost fumbles, which there's like no other team in the NFL has more than three lost or something like that from the, from the running back position. Mm-hmm. It might be. It might be something medical that is happening with Zeke that we just don't know about. I just think, yeah, I think it's a combination of like what Matt said, like offensive line isn't as good. The teams are anticipating him to run the ball. Um, oh, that is a massive defensive pass interference call. Um, which, by the way, Chase Claypool leads the NFL in pass interference calls drawn. Um, that's interesting. I didn't know that until this morning, and then he just drew another one. Um, that, like, I don't know. It's not like he was holding Chase back from doing anything. That was just weird. Do you want to... Uh, do you want to know what I actually think it is? Because eh, that, that kind of looks like a situation. Like, Chase, because Chase is so big, I feel like any type of contact against him is very easy to see. Does that make sense? Because yes. he's just such a big body, and he's so tall and so fast. Like, if you if you touch any part of him, if you tug on his shoulder, if you come across his arms, like... Just because of his frame, he's it's so easy to tell when he's being interfered with. That's probably why he draws so many penalties. Um, Is that why the Saints didn't get the pass interference call on Tommy Lee Lewis in the <laughs> championship game? Is because he's like five foot two? Maybe that might be true. I don't know. That would be an interesting case study to do. Like, are big receivers more prone to draw pass interference calls? That's interesting. Um. But getting back to the Cowboys, they, obviously this is like a week ago, um, speaking of, and it's funny because we were talking about Alex Smith, they lose to Alex Smith on Thursday night and fall to last place in the NFC East. Um, are we, They didn't it, lose to Alex Smith, they lost to Antonio t- Gibson. <laughs> I was going to say, like, Antonio Gibson had the best game of his career. It was Not even just the, okay, the, the best game of his career, yes. But over the last oh six games, Fuck. the only person who has more rushing yards or rushing touchdowns than Antonio Gibson is Derrick Henry. That is – that's very surprising to me, actually. Like the, the Washington Redskins are – Football team. Shit, yeah. The Washington football team is – sorry. There the Washington go. football team is – I was thinking about the past because I wanted to say they're Fuck. like the 2009 oh, – 2009? No, they're like... 2012? Yeah, 2012 Kansas City Chiefs. Oh, I thought we were going back to another Washington team. Oh, no, 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 no. They, they are they, they are literally Andy Reid's first-year Kansas City Chiefs. A good defense, Alex Smith, and a star running back. And a speedy receiver. That's it. <laughs> That's, That's all they it. got. That's <laughs> all they got. But, like, the football team is winning this division. Daniel Jones is out for a week or more. Like th- this is Washington's division to lose, and they have like a really good defense. They have a quarterback who's not going to lose you the game, and they have the second best running back in the NFL over the last six weeks, and Terry McLaurin, who is in the top four in receiving yards. Isn't that kind of that kind of blows my mind that they've been as anemic as they have been on offense for a large portion of the year. But for the last six weeks, they find like, oh, wait, Antonio Gibson's really good. And Terry McLaurin's really good. They just don't, it's kind of one of the situations where they just don't have anybody else. So they have to feature their two best players. Yep. yep. 
And that defensive line, their defensive line gets pressure without blitzing, and that's like the hardest thing to do in the NFL. Well, they do have like four straight first round picks. <laughs> exactly. On the defensive. They're basically like San Fran East. In a way, yes. It's kind of what they did. And right. even, I don't know, even the. I don't want to say Chase Claypool has under. Not Chase Claypool. Um, Chase Young. Chase Claypool is on my screen. That's why I said that. Um, but I'm not saying that Chase Young has, like, underwhelmed, but he's been, like, okay. He's been, like, relatively average, right? Right. But yeah. it's just the common... He's not, like... He didn't come out the gate like Nick Bosa did, like everybody no. expected him to. No. No, I think it's because they're... Every single time I see highlights, defensive highlights from that team, they line him up in different spots like they have they it's strange how much they have him standing up which is a little strange because for the majority of his time at ohio state he was like a a hand in the dirt lineman i think that they're just trying to like this is this is going to sound a little weird but like i don't think washington had very high expectations this year and I feel like the plan with Chase Young was more like, okay, let's give him like a bunch of different looks. Let's line him up in different spots and just kind of see what he's comfortable with. And maybe that's what's like, they're trying to kind of figure out what they want to do with him. And that's what's causing it. But like their whole defensive line as a whole, like Montez Sweat and Deron Payne and even Kerrigan who gets in every once in a while still, um, they've been really good and I don't I, I want to see what happens with the Giants because if da- if Daniel Jones does end up missing a lot of time I do agree that I think Washington can can sneak the division away but Daniel Jones and the Giants were playing the like even though the the red the, I almost said it even though the football team has been playing well the Giants were playing the best out of every team in the division so if they can I think, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens in week 13 because, you know, Washington has to play Pittsburgh and the Giants play Seattle. So there's, you know, a realistic chance they both lose. So I don't want to call the division yet because I think it's just too, the NFC East is just too, it's too crazy. I don't know what's going to happen. Philadelphia may still win it. Who knows? Which, by the way, I hope not. (laughs) <laughs> I, I don't want no 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 I don't want them to, I don't want them to but like the idea that they still could is like there's it's, something there's yeah. something like going on there that we we must not know about it's like some behind the scenes or maybe it's just like Doug Peterson realizing that they paid Carson Wentz so much money he has no choice to play Wentz and hope something happens because like all week leading up to the Seattle game they were talking about, oh we got packages for Jalen Hurts he might play. And instead, he came out for one play. Like mm-hmm. the the Eagles' offense looked anemic; couldn't complete a pass. They bring out Jalen Hurts at the start of one series. He completes one pass. They get a first down, or like they gain positive yardage for one of the first times in the game. Immediately take him back out, put Wentz back in, sack fumble. <laughs> like I don't, I don't know what's going on. Did you watch Brett Coleman's video on Carson Wentz? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 I did. Yeah. Uh, basically, from his perspective, he's kind of looking at it in, like, three 
there's basically three things going on. He said Carson uh, mechanically is not playing great. A lot of his mechanics are fall or like failing him. Uh, that combined with um, oh god, combined with the fact that um, he's playing a lot of hero ball. Which is something he's always done. That's just like kind of the way he plays. Um, and that's causing him to make horrible decisions. And then on top of that, you have Doug Peterson, who is like kind of just letting him make all of these mistakes. Like he, he, he above anybody else can see like, okay, there's mechanic issues. Okay, there's hero ball issues. Okay, there's protection issues. And yet it's almost like Doug Peterson is calling the offense as if none of these things are actually a problem. Yeah, that was – okay, yeah, the Bear Coleman video was the one where they mentioned where it was like third and long and they brought in Max Protect. Like uh, uh, one of the plays that were Doug Peterson, they was, brought in Max Protect like a run. It was yeah, it was and, se- second down and long after a sack. Yeah, and they brought in Max Protect like and then play action, gun play with one wide receiver deep and – Knowing who Wentz is, everybody like everybody knew Wentz was going to throw that ball to that one receiver in the quad coverage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. So he didn't mention the fourth option, which is I think is probably the most plausible one, which is during the off season, Josh Allen and Carson Wentz hung out and they <laughs> had a Freaky Friday moment <laughs> and they switched bodies. You know, so now, I I like that idea. I like that so as now, I like that as canon. Carson has all the mechanic problems that Josh Allen had through the past couple of years. Wow, that's I, I, I that's, believe it. That's incredible. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's the most plausible. Way that's why. Answer. That's why we didn't. Ha- that's why we're not apologizing for our Josh Allen take. Right. Ever he, he cheated. Because it's actually Carson Wentz. Because it's actually yeah, it's it's he just he just swapped uh swapped bodies with Carson Wentz. Now, Josh Allen just... in the in the garage jamming out with Carson Wentz's band. <laughs> what would be the name of Carson Wentz's band? What would it be? That, what Stone would be? Sour. Oh my god! What did you say? Stone Sour. <laughs> oh wow that's good I just oh man it just i don't know the more you see of it the, i think it's mechanics and stuff can always be worked on and i think it was a detriment that he didn't get an actual like training camp preseason and anything to work on anything like that i, I really think it's the gunslinger hero ball you know thing which isn't always bad but you need to pick and choose your battles yeah i mean we've seen like philip rivers have these type of years you know like it's just i think when you have that mentality you kind of just it just happens sometimes like and once you start going down more and more you have to start like doubling up you know to try to get your money back and we've seen that happen with philip rivers you know he let the league and interceptions in one year and now we're seeing it happen with carson wentz this year 
you know, I li- I'm glad that you brought that up because that was the I heard Colin Cowherd was talking about it because he's been a big Carson Wentz guy, and he said the year Eli Manning led the league in interceptions. I think either that year or the year after was the year they won the Super Bowl. So there's this level of like, I don't want to say patience, but there's this like idea that you can run Carson Wentz out of town and it'll, you know, if if you just throw anybody else back there with what the Eagles have going on, that it will work. We talked about on, on the podcast before that I'm not necessarily sure that the loss of Frank Reich wasn't a big part of why the, uh, why the, the Eagles have been struggling the last couple of years. All right. He was the quarterback coach, right? I think he was, he, he was either the quarterback coach or he was like the flat out, like offensive coordinator. He definitely had he a, worked, yeah, I think he, worked a lot with the quarterbacks and now you're seeing Carson Wentz struggle immensely. And if you and if you think about the Colts, which we can use this to transition to the Colts Titans game, you know, <laughs> Frank Reich since he's been in Indy has not had a great quarterback situation and yet every year the Colts tend to compete. Like they tend to be really competitive even prior to this year when they had a really good defense, uh, they did not compete well against the Titans, which, you know, the classic, we talked about it before, the the classic two, the, the two divisional games in a span of three weeks. If you win and cover the first time, chances are you're not going to win and or cover the second game. And who boy did the Colts not cover? Yeah, it's the Colts. I mean, you just, Talk, touched on it with like quarterback play. The Colts kind of go wherever Philip River takes them. If like if Philip River has if he has like an okay to good game, the Colts seem to always win. If he's like not on his A game, it's like I know Buckner was hurt and they were like defensively like you know spread thin a little bit. But even when they're when they have their full defense, it just seems like if Philip Rivers isn't on, the defense isn't on either. It's really weird. Like how the Colts like operate and how they win and lose. I think uh, no, I think you're right. the The loss of DeForest Buckner. I I work with a Colts fan, and I was I was like kind of I was ribbing him a little bit during the game. He was like, "Oh, we don't have DeForest Buckner." And I, I I wanted to so badly tell him, like, dude, do you have any idea how many teams this year in the NFL lost their best defensive player on the interior and didn't give up this many, like, <laughs> like didn't just completely implode like this? Like, if DeForest Buckner is that important to the Colts' defense, whatever they're paying him, they need to double it. Because... Derrick Henry, first of all, I felt like everyone should have known this is coming because it's November, right? It's late November, and Derrick Henry turns... I don't know what happens to Derrick Henry in the month of November and December, but 
I don't know. I, I just feel like, and even like the pass protection for Tannehill was good. Tannehill ran one in. AJ Brown was streaking down the field, making people miss again. Like, I'm not trying to say like the. I still think the Colts are good. I still think the Colts defense is good, but I think this was just an example of like inter the divisional games, man. I always talk about how home field matters less and whatever happened in the previous matchup doesn't matter as much unless the teams are like completely overmatched, right? Like unless we're talking about, you know, when the Saints play the Panthers again, right? Like it's just going to it's just going to be an overmatch of talent, right? Or when the Chiefs play the Broncos this week. Do you know what I mean? But if we're talking about two teams that are like relatively equal, within a division, you have to anticipate like these type of situations where one week, one team can like on Thursday night football, the Colts obliterated the Titans. Like it wasn't even close. <laughs> and then, and then five days ago or four days ago, the Titans were leading. What was it like? 28 to seven at one point. Yep. So I'll tell you what, the one thing that, this definitely, I don't want to say shakes up, but it definitely alters it is, man, and of course we're awaiting the result of this Pittsburgh-Baltimore game, which the score is still 12-7. to 7. Uh, Pittsburgh has the ball now. Um, but how do we feel about this AFC playoff picture? Like, ignore, ignore like Pittsburgh and Kansas City, because they're going to be the one and the two, we're, we're assuming. But everything else, man, like, the AFC playoff picture is going to be one of those things where, again, it may not be decided, like, the full seeding may not be decided until week 17 because we have that Tennessee and, and Buffalo are competing with each other. Tennessee beat Buffalo. You have the Colts in there who lost to Cleveland, but Cleveland lost to the Raiders, and the Raiders are the outside looking in, and... The Patriots are still in the playoffs, and if Baltimore loses this game, then the Patriots are only one game back from Baltimore, and they can overtake them. Like, who... Okay, I'll, I'll, so I'll ask you guys this, since we're talking about the AFC playoff picture. What team of the... Like, outside of Kansas City and Pittsburgh, what team is in and or around the playoff picture in the AFC that you don't believe like maybe that are in it and may not make it or that are out of it and could make it what do you mean which teams do we think aren't gonna make it or yeah like what team is currently in the afc playoff picture right now that you don't think is, is actually gonna finish in oh the raiders which teams are sus yeah the like raiders which... are sus their super bowl was that kansas city game they put everything they had into it and they lost and then look what happened to him. Derek Carr Dude. had a negative fantasy day, and the Raiders suck. Dude, I – oh, God, you fucked with the Raiders. Um, <laughs> you know, a, a, part of me is glad that we didn't do an episode after that Sunday night game because I feel like I would have tried to come – I would have come on here, and I would have been like, like – you guys realize that, like, that was way closer than it should have been. But, like, the fact they won, it doesn't really necessarily matter. But I'm glad you brought up the Raiders because I wanted to say, if I had to, like, explain to someone what my favorite thing about the NFL is, one of my favorite things, it would be 
that Raiders game on Sunday and then juxtapose it to the game they just played against Atlanta. And the the fact that that is the same team, <laughs> like Derek Carr on Sunday night against the Chiefs played probably the best game he's ever played ever in his life, right? And he lost. And Well, he did lose, but what I'm saying is just individually he played great, right? Yeah. And then <laughs> seven days later, he goes he out and might play his worst game ever. Like just the fact that that can happen in a in a seven day span of time is just like incredible to me. And yeah, I don't know, man. I I kind of agree that the Raiders are kind of sus. I love how we're saying sus. I think that's funny. <laughs> but I don't, dude. I'm just looking at the playoff picture right now. So it's Cleveland, Miami, and the Colts. Yeah, so like right now out out of those three teams, Cleveland, Miami, and the Colts, who who is the team that we're the least confident in? The least confident in the Colts. Yeah. Like I I feel that too, but if we have seven playoff teams, we're gonna assume that nine and seven is good enough to make the playoffs. I I kind of think these this Colts team is more likely to win two games than they are to lose four. I I, I can I can, and yeah, I feel like I can that agree with, that. I I feel that way with the Dolphins as well. And then Browns only need one more win and they have a super easy set schedule coming up. Mm-hmm. Outside of their last two games, well, the game against um, Baltimore, which we assume by that point everybody will be back for Baltimore. And then they're, I mean, they play Tennessee this week. So that's going to be a tough game. Derrick Henry may run for like 300 yards in that game with how un, I don't know, I don't want to say like, uninteresting they're uninteresting what am i trying to say how how bad the the browns defense has been at stretches there is a there's a potential that the the derrick henry has a huge game here so but they have they still have the jets in week 16 so i mean yeah they do because yeah, i mean they're getting the giants garrett back they I know have the giants just, the jets they're getting garrett back i know i know we were just saying that the giants are the best or playing the best in the NFC East, but I mean, that's still, it's almost not comparable to the rest of the league in this current season. No, that's, that's, it's hundred percent true. I think it's, if I'm looking at these three teams, if I wanted to pick a team that I think, I don't even know if they're going to miss, like if they're going to miss the playoffs, but I think a team that, could make it, but probably not do anything and be like a one-and-done team would probably be Miami. Just because of how young they are. Like, we're not even necessarily sure who's going to be the quarterback for the Dolphins if they make the playoffs. If it's going to be Ryan Tannehill, if it's going to be Tua, because Tua's hurt. Like, You mean Fitzpatrick, then? Yeah, Fitzpatrick. The, yeah. I mean, are we going to trust Ryan Fitzmagic 
in a <laughs> in a playoff man, game. He got. Oh uh, man, I'd almost want to see it. Has he ever? Be, he hasn't played in a playoff game, has he? I don't. I don't think so. Could you imagine the Fitz magic no, he activating ha- in the playoffs? He hasn't because I remember the year they went. What was it? The year when he was at the Jets, they went ten and six. They won their like last three games, but they needed to like they needed somebody to lose in order to make the playoffs, and that didn't happen. And they missed it at ten and six. That was the closest he's ever been, I think, to making the playoffs. Dolphins are the scariest team if they make the playoffs and Fitzmagic is their starter. You really think? <laughs> Just because of the unknown factor. You don't know what this means. Okay, I was listening to some stuff about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Now, he uh, he, he kind of gave away his philosophy on quarterbacking. And, and let me tell you, okay, he was like uh, one of the games that Tua was mic'd up or something and came to the sideline. You could hear Fitzmagic like, telling him, like coaching him a little bit on the side. And he's like telling him, you know, sometimes you don't always have time to get to your third progression. You know, you're supposed to go first progression, second progression, third progression. Sometimes you don't always have time. So, like, it's like one, two, take a shot. And, like, <laughs> that is right. That is how Ryan Fitzpatrick plays quarterback. Man, you if better. He, if he's being rushed, he doesn't make it to his third progression. He looks first progression, second progression, throws a 50 50 ball. And that is how he plays quarterback. Man, dude, you better hope that they don't finish as the seventh seed. Oh. Can you imagine, like, now that you actually, like, when you say it out loud, like, how do you feel about going against Ryan Fitzpatrick in the playoffs? <laughs> oh, I don't like it. I don't I don't like it either, man. I don't like it either at all. Like, that just feels like a... Because you know what would happen. Is, like, Vegas would come out with the spread and it would be, like, a touchdown, Right. And everybody, everybody, like the public would be like all over Kansas City minus seven or all over Pittsburgh minus seven. And then you would have all those sharp guys like Adam Lefko bringing on Bill Krakenberger and Warren Sharp going out. And all of them would be like, I'm not sure if that's the right side. (laughs) And it would just be like, oh, no. I don't like it. I don't, I don't, dude, I don't like it either, dude. Ryan Fitzpatrick is like a... He's just like the most unknown. You, I think he might be the most. I don't. I want to say unpredictable because that's a little cliche. But like, he's just the most volatile player in the National Football League. I think you just don't know what you're gonna get. But then at the same time, you kind of do know what you're gonna get, which is that you're just gonna get volatility. You're just gonna get inconsistency. So, speaking of. Inconsistency. Do you guys want to know who leads the NFL in deep ball completion percentage and on target percentage? Sure. You want to try? Actually, you know, I'm not going to tell you. I want to see if you guys can guess. (laughs) It's not Justin Herbert, by the way. I'll give you that. It's not Justin Herbert, Even, Uh... even though he's up there. I don't know, dude. I'm trying to think. Is it Ryan Tannehill? No. It is not Ryan Tannehill. What do you think, Corey? I feel like it's going to be something weird like Nick Mullen. No. No, not Nick Mullins. (laughs) That would be pretty wild, but no, not Nick Mullins. I'll give you guys a hint. He plays in the NFC. 
So you can eliminate Mahomes. You can eliminate Deshaun. You can. Tyler? No. It is Kirk Cousins. Jesus. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> Leads. You know, sneakily. I just. Oh, man. You know, sneakily, the. the Vikings, we keep we kept we keep throwing them to the side. Like, oh, they're like the third EPA. They got the best deep passer, but then like we secretly don't care about the Vikings. It's because like I don't know, man. Like they're that weird. Te- it's kind of one of those things where Kirk Cousins is kind of like Derek Carr in the sense of it seems like he plays the best when he's being disrespected. So it's almost like the Vikings need to lose their first couple games and everyone needs to talk about how crappy he is. And then he just, like, goes Super Saiyan and starts chucking the ball deep to Justin Jefferson on every play. And which, by the way, I don't know. Like, is there a chance that if Herbert and the chart, like, if, if the Chargers keep losing and Herbert, like, really, really, really cools off, right? Mm-hmm. Is there a chance that Justin Jefferson wins Rookie of the Year? Because he is playing incredibly well. Possible. You got what? Him, Claypool, Antonio Gibson? Uh, or you have like a, a, the Jaguars running back, that rookie? James Robinson. Yeah, James Robinson, who you don't think about, but you know, is, is like top five in rushing and looks to be absolutely amazing. I think, yeah, no, that's true. I, I think I'm, all I'm basically all I'm saying is that like, there's a chance that if the chargers, which oh man, I, I, there's a big, good chance for that. They got uh, Anthony Lynn. Making oh, decisions. oh man. All right. Like basically I'm just using this as a, as a bridge to just, say it's not run away for Justin Herbert yet because he didn't really have that great of a game on on Sunday. He kind of struggled against Josh no. Allen. There was that <laughs> there was that period of time where Corey was just like euphoric where the two of them just kept turning the ball over again, over and over again. <laughs> and man, that was probably I mean the the it, it's interesting because the Ravens just had a gaffe like this. Like how do you how do you mess up time of possession as bad as you possibly can down near the opponent's goal line? But what the Chargers did in the waning moments of that football game was some of the most egregious <laughs> mistakes I've ever. And it wasn't. And and Matt, you brought it up on our group chat. It wasn't just Anthony Lynn. Like, the quarterback sneak was clearly a mistake on Herbert. Because the offensive line goes to pass block if you watch them. So clearly there was a miscommunication between Josh Allen, not Josh Allen, between Justin Herbert and the offensive line of, hey, like, I'm going to come up and sneak this. Like, don't pass block. So I just get enveloped (laughs) by the defensive line. Rough. Is there any... let me let me throw this out here there for you guys. Let's see how reasonable this is, right? All right. So Oh man, okay. 
I'm sorry. They just had a an incomplete pass challenged and overruled, and it was a fumble, but the fumble went out of bounds. I'm freaking out. Um, so let's just say, let, let's just, Matt's not going to like this, but I think that this is, a, is, is, this is the type of situation that happens in the NFL that keeps coaches employed, and it's frustrating when it happens, but this happens sometimes. The Chargers are horribly mismanaging these these one possession games. Anthony Lynn is making terrible choices. Um Justin Herbert only has I think the only victory he has this year is over the Jets. So, not very impressive. They've had injuries on defense. But if if the Chargers somehow manage to beat the Chiefs week 17, even if that's the Chiefs' second loss, and even if the Chiefs still get the number one seed, and even if they still get the bye week, if the Chargers somehow manage to win that game, could the Chargers convince themselves to not get rid of Anthony Lynn? Oh, yeah, 100%. They'd fall for the Matt Patricia gambit. You think they would? It would be it'd be the Matt Patricia gambit. Anthony Lynn would be like, we're building something here. You see what we did? We beat that Mahomes kid. I Can I tell you the truth? Even though I don't think it... I, I mean, even though I, I, I honestly think that, you know, I think the Chiefs are going to probably win out. If, if the only other game they probably may lose is the Saints game, but who knows. Um, I can't tell you how excited I am to see Justin Herbert against Mahomes again. Like, can we just talk about how hype that matchup is now? Yeah, especially with, like, the only thing Anthony Lynn is good at, I guess, you can almost say it with John Gruden, too, is, like, they know they know how to build a defense to play against the Chiefs. Those w- are the two teams that have curtailed, coattailed, whatever. They're the only ones that seem to have the secret sauce to be able to not blitz, but also stay in coverage and, like, make it hard for Mahomes. Those are the only two teams that seem to make it hard for him. Do you th- do you think, and, and this is just a, a question from just, I mean, their divisional teams. Do you think it's just a situation that a couple, you know, two years ago when Mahomes had the 50-touchdown game, or 50-touchdown season, do you just think that both teams kind of just looked at it as, okay, like, we have to spend all offseason trying to figure out how to slow this down. Like, I think that's what it is. I think that the reason these two teams have been the best at it the last two years is that they have the most stake in it. Like, the the Broncos, I don't know what the Broncos are doing. Like, John Elway's just going out there drafting tall quarterbacks. And getting Vic, getting defensive coordinators as his head coach. Um, but I don't know. Do you think that's what it is? Like, is it simply just the fact that the Chargers and the Raiders understand that this is the team you need to beat in order to get out of this division, so they just focus on it more? I think so. Like, I, again, for the Raiders, it was like their Super Bowl. Just the only bad thing is when you focus so much on one team and you try so hard to beat one team, you have duds against other teams, and 
you're not necessarily built to you're not built to be a championship team. You're built to beat a single team, and that just means Kansas City lives rent free in the AFC West coaching staff. <laughs> I will say this though, I think. I do think it's a good thing. This is going to sound strange. I actually kind of think it's a good thing for the Chiefs from a national viewpoint perspective that they're being challenged within their own division. Does that make sense? Yeah. Right. Like, I think... It's not like a, a Patriots thing. Exactly. That was the, the, the comparison I was going to make. Was like I think part of the reason why people hated the Patriots so much was that it was so easy for the Patriots every single year to come out of the AFC East because the division was so bad. But, like, you're seeing, you know, these the Chiefs go, you know, overtime against the Chargers. You know, they lose for the first time in almost a calendar year against the Raiders, and it comes down to the wire on Sunday Night Football. Like, people are seeing, like, wow, like, these teams are really, like, competing with, with Kansas City. I think that that kind of helps the national perspective of them, that they're not going to become... Even though they're probably going to be the next dynasty, I don't think they'll be viewed as negatively as the Patriots for many reasons. But uh, for one of the reasons being that that you know it seems like they're going to have a tougher time in the division. Um, yeah, I mean it's just hard to hate Mahomes. Oh He's yeah, it, I don't hate. I I argue with my brother constantly about Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> but it's not out of the fact I don't like him. It, like, how do you not like him? Like, it's 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 impossible to not like him. Um, speaking of things impossible to not like, uh, unless you're Nick Wright on First Things First, um, Taysom Hill playing, I, I guess, good for the Saints? Like, can we... We can go that far. Can, can we, well, here's the thing. Can we even, like, really judge the Saints based on what happened against Denver? I think that's a little unfair. Denver uh, didn't have a starting quarterback. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. They didn't have a starting quarterback, and Taysom Hill didn't play until Taysom Hill didn't play much better than the Broncos' quarterback until like the second half. Okay, but we still put 31 points up on them. Their defense wasn't missing a quarterback. Like this is a team that, even if the quarterback fucking sucked they still managed to put 31 points on the board. I don't think there's any other team that could say that. I, well, I think the Saints are, are, are good, but I think if you're looking at the these three, four games, however many it's going to be, as an audition for Taysom Hill, um, I can't say I've seen enough yet that he deserves the starting job. I don't think that, I don't think it's about that, though. I don't... I think... I think Sean. I don't think Sean Payton is looking at it from the standpoint of I'm auditioning Taysom Hill to be the starter. I think Sean Payton is looking at it as I'm paying this guy. How much you got? Like fifteen million dollars a year? Is that what it no. is? It's like I think he got eighteen million dollars for two years. Okay, eighteen million dollars for two years. I'm sorry. Um, I think Sean Payton's just looking at it as the guy played quarterback. I'm paying him eighteen million dollars over the course of two years. He provides something that Jameis doesn't, and he gives me the best chance to win. I, I don't I don't know if this is a a situation where Taysom is quote unquote auditioning for the starting job. 
I think but if it isn't what what if it isn't what is it? Because like it's just the, I, I'm like I'm ninety percent certain Drew Brees retires after this year. Oh, I am too. I'm I'm fairly certain, especially if they like go deep in the playoffs and go to the Super Bowl, um, which I think they could, especially with the way their defense is playing. I I all I'm saying is I think that it's this is the best thing. Like this is the best chance they have to win. However many games Drew Brees is going to be out. Like, that's what Sean Payton is doing. Like, next year is next year. The Saints aren't worried about that next year. The Saints are trying to win a Super Bowl this year. Right. So, I think they're just going to cross that bridge when they get to it. And if next year, if Drew Brees retires and he goes and he works for NBC, you have Jameis on the roster, you have Taysom on the roster, and you can make a choice. And... If you don't go with Taysom, it's not like Taysom's role on the offense changes at all. He's still going to come in. He's still going to run wildcat snaps. He's still going to line up at tight end. He's still going to line up at running back. But if you go with Taysom, I mean, kind of like how Corey said, it's like how many teams in the National Football League can put what Taysom is as a quarterback out on the field and score 30 points? That's that. That's the real. I guess that's the the point. I'm just saying, like, he he didn't play well early in the game, but I also think that's just a testament. To, like, both D- Denver's defense is still good. <laughs> yeah, it's still like, Vic Fangio. It's still yeah. his system and everything. Yeah, I, Chubb and the other guys still playing great. Yeah, Chubb's playing really good actually, and it's good because um, they've had a lot of injuries, obviously, on the mm-hmm. uh, on the defensive side of the ball, especially with Von Miller, but. I would have loved to see this defense with Von Miller. I I just want to see this defense. I just want to see the Broncos fully healthy. Because I I want to see a like I don't know, man. Like I understand Drew Locke's playing really been playing really bad. I just want to see this offense with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and Noah Fant. And these two running backs. And Tim Patrick. And Tim Patrick, who's playing good. Like, I just want to see this offense all together before we make. Juju's getting a moldy turkey leg now. Oh, dude, moldy turkey leg. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, like. (laughs) But yeah, like, I, I think. And I guess that that could be something we'll we'll jump to next because there's there's been another coach firing. and We'll talk about that. But there's like talk about Vic Fangio getting fired, and you know, oh uh, Juju, um, and um, I told you, I know, I'm just happy <laughs> they showed it again. Um, there's like I haven't ta- seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I haven't seen it yet. Da-da-da. My my feed's behind. They're about to hike the ball. <gasps> hike the ball. Turkey leg. All right, you're good. Um, hey, it's twenty to seven now! Yay! Holy shit! It All took right, forever. Game, game it's like that over. Giants game from week one. Yeah, we had dude. Our in dude, we're playing so shitty in the red zone. Like Ben threw that fucking pick and trying to run the ball in the red zone on Baltimore, and it's not working. And I don't know, man. Baltimore's defense is like doing their damnedest to try to keep them in this game, but offense, they just can't, they just can't do anything offensively. Robert Griffin III has 25 yards passing. 
He's only thrown the ball ten times. <laughs> like, there's just only so much you can do. So, but anyway, I just want to see Denver, the Denver offense intact. I just want to see, get a full offseason with Drew Locke, with these offensive players, before we go off firing coaches and getting rid of offensive coordinators. That's all I'm saying. I'm not trying to say Drew Locke's good. I just want to see it. But speaking yeah. of coaches being fired, uh, Corey, Matt Patricia has finally been fired. How do you feel? As a, as a Detroit Lions fan. <laughs> I think we I think we've seen enough. Like that's what I said at the beginning of the year is I, I wanted to see this year. And we saw it and it wasn't good. So it's time to move on. Did you I don't even say it wasn't good. It it was, it was a failure. Good. It wasn't team, great. This team is worse off than they were when Jim Schwartz was their head coach. Bring back Caldwell. Dude, seriously? Oh, yeah, Caldwell. Why did I say shorts? Yeah, bring back Caldwell. Um, did you guys see, speaking of Matt Patricia, did you guys ever see the interview uh, that Darius Slay did after he went to Philadelphia on first take where he talks about Matt Patricia? I didn't mm. see it, but was this like was this after he got fired? No, no, no. This was after he got traded, I think. Oh, okay, traded, I don't know. I was going to say because like – in. In my memory, maybe it's just because, you know, Twitter's like a new thing or whatever. Uh, but, well, not a new thing, but it's like social media is more prominent in sports now than ever. After the Patricia firing, there were a lot of ex-Lions who went to social media and said, like, basically, to put it bluntly, bye, Felicia. Like, there were a lot of people that aren't on that Lions team that used to be on that Lions team under Matt Patricia who applauded him being fired yeah which i think is very eye-opening uh i was reading a article about patricia's time in detroit and i interviewed a lot of like past lines players like a lot of them were unnamed but zach zenner was one of the ones that like was disclosed his name but he was saying like he he had like a communication problem with the team like he didn't he would go in there and he like swear and cuss them out and everything instead of like talking to them like they're like a grown men he was treating them like a high school football team uh and a lot of that just like tough coaching just didn't fly with them you know well that, uh, trying to be he was trying to be bill belichick but like that's not how bad way that's not how belichick is though that's the thing. That's why I'm saying he was failing at. I mean, look at the Lions team. Matt Patricia tried to like uh, Walmart clearance bin himself a New England team. How many? How many ex uh, ex Patriots were on, ended up on that team? Like on the defensive and offensive side of the ball. Oh, like how many people? Yeah, that, like they, a half dozen. Disgusting amount. They tried to be. They tried to be the Patriots. A couple like slot guys throwing the ball to a running back that they kept. Like, he he always tried to play like a million different running backs, but they never had a running game. I just, oh, man. Well, speaking 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 of how he treated players, this this is what I was getting to. So the interview that Darius Slay did on Sorry. no 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 you're good the, the the interview that he did on first take. He basically starts talking about, like, I guess he 
it was after a game and he went in with a you know into a meeting with Matt Patricia it was it was a game where he didn't play particularly well and Matt Patricia you know brought him in and like sat him down and had like a a, a the film cut up of all the you know breaks in coverage and Darius Slate was like he's like that's fine man he's like I'm a professional like you know show me what I did wrong like so I can get better like I'm I'm okay with that that's fine He's like, but then he's, this is what Darius Slay said. He's like, but then he's, he like started talking about how like, Hey man, you got to like stop sucking on this dude's genitalia. Oh yeah. The, because he posted like some kind of like positive thing about the receiver on social media afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And he was, and he was like, Hey dude, you got to stop sucking this dude's dick and Darius Slay looked at him like what like what did you just say to me like dude I don't I don't know man like how 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 are you how are you talking to players that way when here I, I posed this to a kid I work with who has a brother that plays football uh at a division one level he actually is is his brother is actually good friends with AJ Brown. It's actually kind of cool. Um, I, I told him, I was like, and you can ask your brother this and, and see how he feels. But when you have a coach, and this is Matt Patricia, right? This is Matt Patricia. This is, you know, like Bill O'Brien, like that type of thing. Coaches that come from successful coaching trees. Players look at you. And they kind of view you like, okay, like, yeah, like, you part of that staff, but you're not Belichick. Like, without Belichick, who would you be? You'd be nobody. Do you know what I mean? So when you try to give this, like, try to be this type of personality and that type of attitude, I don't think players respond to it well because the players look at you like, dude, who the fuck are you? Like, like who are you? Like, you're not Belichick. Belichick made you. Like, I don't, I don't have to listen to you talk to me that way and I think that's what happened with Matt Patricia he, like kind of how what Matt said he tried to be I don't know he tried to be like you know build like garb like discount bin Patriots and it doesn't work that way dude you can't you can't try to be the person that you came from because players are going to see through it and I wonder if they're going to go for this on fourth and two um Nope. Yeah, I, I don't... I'm glad Matt Patricia's fired. I'm excited to see what Darren Bevel does. Because Bevel's been there for a long time. And I feel like if Detroit can kind of close this year... We're kind of seeing that with Raheem Morris. Where, you know, Raheem Morris is on the defensive side of the ball. And, like, they fired Dan Quinn. And all of a sudden, the defense got a lot better. I wonder what'll happen if... Like, if Detroit can, like, string together, I'm not even necessarily sure, like, if they need to string together wins, but if they just, like, play better offensively, let's see who they have. So, they play the Bears, Packers, Titans, Bucks, and the Vikings. So, most of their games are against the NFC North. I mean, Packers don't have a great defense. Titans don't have a great defense. The Buccaneers' defense has been... I think it's safe to say you're going to have, at the end of the season coaching positions available in New York, 
Detroit, um, uh, Atlanta, and potentially L.A. Those are going to be the four big teams that are going to have coaching positions. Okay, not not Houston. Oh shit! I, see, I brain farted. Houston's what, five. What, Thank what, you. Well, no. Here's what I'll say: They actually really like Romeo Cornell there. That's a trap. Don't fall for they, it, dude. They do. I've seen it. I've heard it. They really like him. Don't fall for the Romeo they, Cornell trap. They've it's happened to dude, two other franchises. Don't do it, dude. They've won three out of their last four. Yeah, but you know, yeah, but now Will Fuller was caught doping up, and now Deshaun Watson that, sucks again, dude. That's <laughs> dude. So many people on Twitter, not to change the subject, but so many people on Twitter were like, whatever Will Fuller was taking to keep him on the field, fuck him, let him take it. <laughs> Whatever he was taking, please just let him take it, man. The NFL is better when Will Fuller is healthy. But yeah, yeah go because ahead. Because Deshaun Watson, his stats tank when he doesn't have Will Fuller on the field. Like the people what? were finally like kind of coming around. Deshaun Watson was having a career year. Like not that it, not that like not to say in any shape of imagination that Bill O'Brien made the right play by trading Deshaun Watson or trading DeAndre Hopkins away. But like. Maybe it was sort of half the right call considering how good Deshaun Watson's playing. But in general, ever since Deshaun's been the starter, his stats are tied more to Will Fuller than they are to any other wide receiver they have. I will say this. Uh, I was listening to... I can't remember how many weeks ago it was. I listen to it every week, but I listen to the the obviously the the PFF podcast with Steve and Sam every week, and they do a they usually do a, a reaction episode and then a prediction episode. And they did say that a big problem that Deshaun Watson had when DeAndre Hopkins was there was even if a play was not designed to go to DeAndre Hopkins. If the original read was not there, Deshaun would just immediately go to DeAndre, right? Now, that seems to make sense because DeAndre Hopkins is one of the best receivers in the NFL. But at the same time, that's also... Like, we used to see that a lot with Ben Roethlisberger, right? With Antonio Brown. Where Ben didn't care how well covered Antonio Brown was. He was throwing it to him, no matter what. Right. And that led to a lot of problems in in Houston he was force feeding the ball to DeAndre Hopkins and teams could anticipate it and teams knew like hey if we take away this first read he's gonna go to DeAndre so like anticipate it right and that's you know that's in a way you can really get addition by subtraction even though you're you're becoming less talented just the fact that you're kind of forcing Deshaun to get off that bad habit. He's played really, really good this year. And I think between, you know, that job, the Houston job and the and the Chargers job, those are by far the two most like intriguing head coaching jobs, simply because of who the quarterback is. Where does Eric the enemy land? I just found out about his kind of shady past. Really? Who's, I, I didn't be honest. What do you mean? Uh, our friend Krebs posted about it in the group chat the other day. Also, you just got really muffled. I don't know if you're like holding. Oh, yeah. Hold yeah. on. 
you, you just got real muffly there for a second. Yeah. I haven't heard anything about Shady Past. I don't. I guess I didn't read it. Hold up. Um. Also, Ben Roethlisberger is getting very close to fifty attempted passes. <laughs> Just to give you guys an idea of like how this game has gone, because they can't they can't run okay. the ball. Their their running game is the short pass game. Yeah. So, Bianami allegedly has multiple assaults, including choking a woman, a DUI. A separate fleeing the scene and being part of a sexual assault cover-up. Holy shit! I mean, what? What? Yep. How long ago did all this stuff happen? I have no idea. Holy shit! I want to wait, wait. I gotta find this. Hold up. I'm sorry. Like, I know the episode just like came to a screeching <laughs> the episode just kind of came to like a screeching halt but like this is like i did not know that god we we really don't pay attention much to the uh what's it called the uh the group chat yeah i must not i have i have no idea when this is but if you have the link Corey, can you post it in our discord so i can see it yep i'm trying to find it i just got up the an article up too. Here's the Okay. I'm punted. Alright, Baltimore's got the ball. Seven twenty-one left. They're down twelve. Let's see what happens. Steelers are gonna go prevent defense. And they're gonna allow the Ravens to score. <laughs> or maybe they'll get a sack. I don't know. Oh, here it is. Okay. Here, let me let me read this. Uh, let's see here. Um, running back. was a running back for the Bengals from 1995 to 1998. But before that, he was a star running back at Colorado University. While there, he ran into a bit of trouble. In his freshman year, he was involved in an altercation at a bar where he was called a racial slur. He okay, pleaded wow. no contest to the charge and was sentenced to community service. The following year, trouble continued finding the enemy. Over the course of his collegiate career... The enemy's driving record was docked several times in Colorado for a multitude of minor occurrences, but they piled up to the point where he had his license suspended for a year. Months later in March, he was caught speeding in the state and was forced to post a $1,000 bond. He failed to appear for his court date for driving with a suspended license that was faced with several weeks in jail for leaving the scene of an accident just a few weeks later. It goes on to talk about there were several sexual assault allegations pressed against Colorado players when he was the running back coach there. He was the center of another sexual harassment case. Um, oh, no, that was Vance Joseph. Never mind. I'm sorry. The enemy was the one with, with allegations when he was at the coach in Colorado. Um, holy crap. It looks like everything with the enemy was DUI. It looks like I mean all the uh, uh, the other allegations were Vance Joseph related. It seems like everything about Bienemy. I mean, unfortunately, he sounds like he had a a problem with alcohol, a few DUIs, the leaving an accident. But I guess like he got caught for leaving the scene because he went home and reported it to police and didn't know that that would get him in more trouble. Which is like, kind of silly, but it, whatever. It, it sounds like a thing you do when you're drunk. 
Yeah, no, that, that sounds. Yeah, it sounds like he had an alcohol problem back in the mid '90s to very early 2000s. Well, here's again. I, I know we talked about this a couple episodes ago. This okay. So this this hovering over what we talked about, combined with, and again, I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from Eric Bieniemy and how good he's been for Kansas City, but given the general feeling oh trace mcsorley's in the game now holy crap i didn't even notice i like haven't even been looked in at, the game like three times i haven't even looked at my t that's the first pass he attempted i think no it's not is it i'm not ping I'm, he was he he completed a pass on like the second drive of the game oh okay really well, weird. What, whatever um but um so that that hovering over eric b combined with the fact that Everything with Kansas City. He's got Andy Reid there. He's got Patrick Mahomes. Like, we saw Doug Peterson go off and, you know, win a Super Bowl. But now, all of a sudden, you know, he can't seem to figure out how to run his team. You know, Frank Reich is very well respected in Indy, but it's not like they've been very dynamic offensively. Is there a feeling around the league that maybe enemy is kind of a product of working with Andy and having Mahomes? I mean, I'm sure some people may think that, but just from what I've seen and read and have looked into, enemy has done more as the offensive coordinator than Nagy or Peterson ever did. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt Nagy. I totally forgot about Nagy, too. I wanted to throw him in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's done more in the offense as far as researching, play calling, scheming than Nagy or Peterson ever did, where it was, you know, like 70 read, 30 Peterson, 30 Nagy. It, it's, been, <laughs> it's, it's been almost like a 50-50 split. Like, some of the crazy like uh, offensive game plans or trick plays that you've seen from Kansas City, lots of sneezing. Come from, yeah, bless you. Surely was getting uh, was getting chirpy with number thirty nine there. Yeah. But, yeah, so like uh, it, it's been almost like a fifty fifty as far as play calling scheming. Like it, a lot of the biggest play calls that Kansas City's had in the last you know year and a half, two years, they've come from. Plays researched by Bianami or plays called by Bianami and not read. Huh. So, like, as far as offensive scheming and stuff goes, I, I think Bianami is just a lot better than okay. Nagy or Peterson. All right. I respect that. I, like I said, I don't know. Like, when I watch the Chiefs play, I just, I, part of me leans to believe that, like, at certain points, Andy Reid just kind of looks at Pat and says, like, all right, go ahead and do something crazy. Well, the thing is, uh, like you would, I think it's something. If we're gonna talk about the Chiefs for a second, I think it's something that people take for granted with Patrick. He he makes all these great plays and does all this cool stuff, but he really only takes those kind of chances when he's sure it's one on one, or he knows it's a free play, or he absolutely has to. When he absolutely has to, he runs. The only time Patrick Mahomes runs the ball is when he absolutely has to. And those kind of situations are when he's putting the team on his back. And then he'll throw deep when he's got a free ball. That's what His only interceptions this year, his only two interceptions 
have come on plays where he thought it was free. Like it or like a wide receiver broke the wrong way and he thought it was an offsides or it should have been an interference, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Like the one he the one that got called back against the Buccaneers, he let go of the ball as he knew he was about to get hit in the face. And that's the only reason why he threw the ball deep was because he knew it should have been a penalty. I don't know, I don't man. Know. I, I I do think the enemy. Wow, this this totally got off. Like we're talking about the Chiefs, but like with the enemy and this offense, a lot of people are trying to like tie him to Houston. I don't know why. I think a lot of people just. I think a lot of people just want Deshaun Watson to have a good offensive-minded head coach. He should um, have one. I also think like I don't know, man. Like the Jets need somebody like the jets are going to here's the the jets are going to hire a head coach so why not just go get the God, best I hope so yeah why not okay i did want to bring this up because i don't think you've considered this Corey. and this is going to make you really upset are you ready no you do realize okay that joe douglas who is the current gm of the new york jets right right you do realize Adam Gase appointed him as the GM, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> him and Maggie just need to get out of the league. I don't think okay. Hold on. You're we're talk, look first with Matt Nagy. I know this episode's going along. We have a lot to talk about. We haven't I talked. Think Matt Nagy is actually like kind of a good coach. Like, yeah, he, he smoke and mirrored himself with Trubisky for what? Like he he got hired by the Bears, and, and like this was Nagy who had a year of watching Mahomes at practice and watching him do stuff. Was like, damn, that's pretty lit, son. And then he gets hired by the Bears, and then he's in his first practice with the Bears, and he's like, shit, this is what I have. And he smoke and mirrors them to almost the NFC Championship in his he, first year before. He won coach. He no. won coach of the year. No, because of the defense that Vic Fangio put together with Khalil Mack. They were top ten in offense. They were literally a top ten offense, and they were literally the best scoring defense we've ever seen. I know that, but like the offense was still like. App like it still worked. It functioned until everyone yeah, was and, like, "Oh wait, now where is it? Now where is it at? It it's hasn't ho- worked ever since then. It's horrible. I get it's horrible, but apart- I, I'm saying it, 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 the smoke and mirrors only worked for one year. Teams figured it out, and Nagy's like, "I don't know what else to do." Here's here's that's why so he, pulled, he that's can why leave he pulled. now if he doesn't have anything to offer. That's anybody who would have been the Bears head coach who would have nothing to offer because Trubisky's trash. That's why Nagy bet everything on Nick Foles, Nick Foles, but it didn't work out because Nick Foles didn't activate his can, trap card. Can we talk about like the craziness of this bear situation? We, wait, and can we talk about how he's calling literally everybody out on the team besides himself? He's not putting any blame on himself. He did do that. That was in very poor taste. That was very, very, that was an, a, very much in poor taste. And I feel like, especially after a like game like that, you need to have you need to have accountability when you're the head coach. When when it's when nothing is working right, you have to be like, "All right, what did I do? What could I have done to put my team in a better position?" 
Like, you, you have to at least have that thought process. You hear that, Bruce Arians? Damn it. Stop blaming everything on Brady. Right. Yeah, Brady's <laughs> that's a, a that's the other coach I can't fucking stand. Or Bru- coach. Bruce? Yeah. Yeah. Here's, here's first of all, I just want to, like, the Bears situation is so wild because Matt touched on it. Matt Nagy is part of the staff that drafts Patrick Mahomes, right? He watches the Bears draft Mitch Trubisky, which apparently a lot of other teams in the NFL laughed at because Deshaun Watson was there. A lot of teams thought Deshaun Watson was, like, the best prospect in the draft, a lot of people knew Pat was talented, but like most, the, the general consensus was like Pat's going to take time. Um, but like he watches the Bears draft Trubisky, he watches Mahomes practice all season long, sit behind Alex Smith. He ends up going to Chicago, like Matt said, and now all of a sudden, like, oh god, like okay, I I got to make this kid work. So a part of it was like, okay, the Chiefs were in a market to draft a quarterback. That meant that they probably did a lot of evaluating on Trubisky, which is why it made sense to hire Nagy. So then Nagy comes in and wins coach of the year the first year he's there. And a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, it works. But like a lot of people said, like, it's smoke and mirrors, dude. He's not good. Trubisky is not good. And I think it's and then like they go to the playoffs and they get double doinked out of the playoffs, losing to Nick Foles, who, by the way, is now on the team. And I agree. I think, okay, here's here's what I'll say. I'll, I'm going to ask Corey this, because Corey's the big, the one that doesn't like Matt Nagy. If the Bears, you have, okay, you have Mitch Trubisky, Ryan Pace, and Matt Nagy. Okay, those three guys. Okay, the GM, the coach, the quarterback. You have to keep one of them. If you had to keep one of them for next year, who are you keeping? Wait, what are the choices? The G- the GM for the Bears, Ryan Pace, the coach, Matt Nagy, and the quarterback, Mitch Trubisky. Two of them are uh, gonna I'm two keeping... of them will two of them will be fired, the other one will stay. Who are you keeping? I'm keeping Nagy, I'm firing Trubisky and the GM, because the GM drafted Trubisky. <laughs> Like, unfortunately, Matt Nagy went from Patrick Mahomes to Mitch Trubisky and was like, I can't do shit with this. And then he turned it into almost the NFC Championship game off a double doink with a good defense and a top 10 offense. And he he tried. He tried so hard to, you know, shadow Trubisky. Just push comes to shove this year. Trubisky's playing terrible. What do you think? He got Corey? lucky as hell that he won those games that he did. Like, look, he can't, he by necessity he was forced to start him this last week, and what did he do? Nothing. Multiple interceptions. Mitch Trubisky sucks. I'm sure and, it didn't help that his coach just gave up on him in the middle of the year huh. after he threw one interception, and then watched his backup do pretty much the exact same thing he would have done. Trubisky did get hurt though. Like he tried to go back to Trubisky. And Trubisky got injured. That did happen. He did hurt his shoulder. And then they had to play Nick Foles. But, okay, well, Corey, so, th- so that's my, my question to you is, of the three... Holy shit. Holy shit. 
It's a game. Uh, yeah, it is. That fucking... God damn it. <laughs> he put Fitzpatrick on skates. Oh my God. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, and, so yeah, the- I, I, I'm keeping, I'm keeping pace. Okay. And just so what should have happened was you should have had pace be like, Hey, we're going to tank this year for Trevor Lawrence, because we obviously don't have an answer with Mitch Trubisky. We have a fucking stopgap with Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. Why don't we just tank for Trevor Lawrence and, Nagy should have been like, hell yeah, I could get a quarterback. But no, he's like, I have enough freaking what's-his-face, the running back, Montgomery. Oh, is no. The best running back I've ever seen. He's he's going to be so good. We're gonna, he's going to be so good, and we're going to run the ball, and he's going to get 150 yards a game. And then he gets 100 yards because of a 57-yard rush against the worst rushing the worst rush defense in the league. I, 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 I do kind of agree that I would keep Ryan Pace simply because, at the very least, Ryan Pace has shown that he can draft defensive talent well. And I feel like if you manage to... I'm sorry, that play just made me so sad. Um, if you can find a coach that can understand offensive personnel like you'd have to bring in a coach that was offensive minded and had more of a keen eye to offensive talent to help pace because pace is clearly not very good at evaluating offensive talent but he's pretty darn good at doing it defensively so i think that's the route i would go but i'm not like it's not like one of those things like i'm throwing i think Nagy can go somewhere else and be an effective coach like i don't think he's awful I think it's just, I don't know. Trubisky sucks. The whole situation's bad. His play calling has become way too trick play oriented, way too smoke and mirrors. And who knows? There's talk that there's going to be like 10 head coach openings after this year, which is really unfortunate given like the circumstances of this season. But that seems like that's going to be the the route that they go. Sean Payton's beating every other team in the league now, so he can finally leave New Orleans and go to Dallas. Oh, God, no. I don't want that to happen at all. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of rumor like that this offseason because there's always rumors of Payton going to Dallas. Uh, Like Drew Brees retires and they they leave together? Yeah. Wouldn't, uh... Do you think Pete Carmichael would just take over? He's, he's been there for like 13 years. Yeah. I think Pete could just buy. Pete was your the interim when uh, Peyton yeah. was fired, right? Yep. Yeah. Not when he was fired, but when well, he was suspended. 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 Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I could see Dennis Allen even taking over. Oh, God. Just l- hearing the name Dennis Allen as a head coach makes me cringe. Because <laughs> I remember when he was in. Was he in o- Was he in Oakland? I think he was. Yeah, yeah. He and he was. I mean, he every Oakland shovel. coach was bad. He had the shovel. Oh yeah, he was the shovel Barry guy. The football. Yeah, bury the football, dude. Um, anything else, guys? Uh, I don't know. Ever since he's gotten to New Orleans, he's 
had one of the best defenses in the league after they had really bad stretches with Ryan. Yeah. Oh, God. Okay, Deontay, chill out, dude. Oh, that sucks. So that's a fumble backwards. So the ball goes out of bounds at the 14. Jesus Christ. Oh. Oh, there God. Needs, there should be... There should be a possession arrow in football. Like, if you fumbled the ball out of bounds once, you get to keep it. But if it happens second... I was thinking this the first time it happened. Like, get, keep it the offense, but then if they make you fumble the ball out of bounds second time in the game, give it to the defense. That's an interesting... Uh, huh. And there's a lot that could happen off that. There is a lot that could happen off of that. All right, well, Pittsburgh. there's there's no rules that benefit the defense. So there should be at least that. Are they not going to call timeout? They call timeout? There we go. Okay. Uh, Well, let's see. If they get this first down, then... Oh, fuck my life, dude. I hate this. All this right. is Pittsburgh Steelers football. Dude, this, it fucking is, dude. I hate it. We had a ninety-nine. Oh, dude, is it going to be that? It's going to be this week. We had the ninety-nine percent win percentage on ESPN, and then we lose. Oh, fuck! Uh, it was my life. bound to happen eventually. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to end this episode before the Steelers lose, and I'm sad. Um. Hopefully. I don't know. Hopefully we. Or, do we, does anything else you wanted to say? No, I just don't know. <laughs> that wasn't picked. I don't know. Um, is there anything else we want to talk about? Are we going to do a preview episode on Friday? Yay! We did it! Sorry, no, my, he's my, asking my, if we're going to do it, not if we did it or not. My feet, I'm sorry, my feed's behind, and I'm really excited, because that was a big play to James Washington. Why? Can I ask a question? I don't know how that wasn't... I don't, I don't know. Can I ask, why is it that, like, whenever we need a huge play, Ben goes to James Washington? I don't know why. I don't know, I don't know why he. It's might. like that. It's like that uh, kid that you keep on the basketball team that's only there to shoot like the clutch half three. court, half course three. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am. Am I going to be able to do an episode Friday? Um, no, <laughs> I cannot do. I can do. Um, I'm trying to think. What can I do? Um. I mean, if, if just do another episode later tonight, <laughs> no, if if Justin is able to do the episode Friday, then there will probably be a preview episode. But if not, you may not hear from us again until the Sunday reactions episode. Um, but we'll see. I got a lot of stuff going on this uh, this weekend. I have a game okay. on Saturday, so. That's fine. Okay. If we can't talk again until Sunday, we can't talk again until Sunday. It's just how it'd be. That gives Matt more time to practice Ocarina of Time. That, yeah, right, that, that should be game over. All right. All right, guys. All right. Thank game you so over. much. Sorry for the for the delay. Hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll catch you next time, either Friday or Sunday. We don't know. At this point, we don't know anymore. So it's going to be, you're just going <laughs> to have to wait and see what we decide to do. Yay. Oh, <laughs> Patreon.com. Oh, yeah. Patreon.com slash FADPOD. You can follow us on Twitter. At FADPOD, Corey and Matt have been doing uh, weekly DFS lineups. I don't know how you guys did last week. 
I did not do – no, I didn't do that good last week. You want to know nope. why? <laughs> you want to know why you didn't do good? Because I didn't pick Derrick Henry. Because you didn't pick Derrick Henry. <laughs> I did I did beat Matt in our big money league yeah, he divisional did. game. He fucking though. annihilated me. After I, re- I found out at like 5 a.m. that Julio Jones was out, and I had to scramble to find a thing, and then I – had to plug in Frank Gore, and then my team's in shambles, dude. Yeah, it was, uh, I don't know. Like, he beat me week one this year after I had, like, the worst game ever. And then we've we've just been necking. We've been the same record every week since, like, week three. That's fun, though. That, that always ends up, like, being the fun thing when you have like someone else that you're like neck and neck with in a fantasy league. I've been I'm I've already made the playoffs in one of my leagues. I'm fairly certain I'm going to make it in another league and then we'll see uh we'll see what happens in in ben Liga. Spell has like a little like spinny thing on his mouth guard. He does. It's weird. All right. All right guys. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll catch you next time and I love you. Wow, none of you. So do we. Neither of you are going to say it. So do we. All right. Well, I'm, why are you speaking for Matt? Because I beat him this week, so I, I get to speak for him. Because Matt, Matt can no longer speak. Matt is silent now. Wait, wait. Can I not? Oh, okay. No, he can speak for. It's okay.